podcast number 49, Defining Fathers and Sons. Malachi's prophecy of Elijah's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers has thus far been interpreted almost exclusively in the context of performing saving ordinances for the dead. Lost from sight has been the covenantal definition of fathers in relation to sons, Hebrew banim, King James Version, children, within the intended context of the Davidic covenant and its significance for the house of Israel's physical protection from calamities during the coming great and dreadful day of the Lord, God's day of judgment upon a wicked world. Hence the prophet Joseph Smith's announcing long after the Kirtland era in church history that Elijah would come and reveal, quote, the covenants of the fathers in relation to the children and the covenants of the children in relation to the fathers. The role of end-time fathers, of proxy saviors who minister as kings and priests, nuances Malachi's prophecy that a bond must be created between fathers and sons to prevent the earth from being smitten with a curse at Jehovah's coming. A variation of Malachi's prophecy thus states that, quote, Elijah was to plant in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers, lest the whole earth be smitten with a curse and be utterly wasted at his coming. God's promises to Israel's fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and others, included an endless posterity for which they acted as fathers or proxy saviors by sacrificing all things. Called the Gospel of Abraham, this doctrine teaches that, quote, in us and our seed all generations after us should be blessed. God's unconditional promises of that kind, however, pertain to individual covenant relationships with him that start conditionally and progress from Isaiah's son-servant level to that of seraphs. In these relationships, fathers, or proxy saviors, intercede with God on behalf of their sons, whether living or yet unborn. Thus God blesses and preserves their sons for the sake of their fathers, fathers who rely on God's promises, on the terms of his covenant, knowing that God will perform his part when they perform theirs. We observe this savior role in King Hezekiah's relationship to his people, whom he calls his sons. Quote, It is in my heart to make a covenant with Jehovah, the God of Israel, in order that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, be not now negligent, for Jehovah has chosen you to stand before him to serve him, and that you should minister to him. Unquote. Like Enoch, Melchizedek, and Moses, Hezekiah turned away God's wrath from his people so that they were not smitten with a curse. Apart from the remnant of God's people that sought refuge with Hezekiah in Jerusalem, the known world at that time was indeed utterly wasted by the Assyrians during their conquest of all nations. As with Isaiah's mediatory role that operated on a higher level than Hezekiah's, the end-time version of these events includes ministering in the priesthood according to the holy order of God. That appears in yet another variation of Malachi's prophecy. Quote, Behold, I will reveal unto you the priesthood by the hand of Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall plant in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers, and the hearts of the children shall turn to their fathers. Were it not so, the whole earth would be utterly wasted at his coming. While on the surface Malachi's prophecy deals with temporal salvation, with God's physical protection, a high priest's role of proxy savior additionally begets a degree of spiritual salvation, both stem from covenant relationships between fathers and sons, as under the terms of the Davidic covenant that create the conditions under which salvation can occur. In short, on both Isaiah's son's servant and serf levels, Fathers answer for their sons' disloyalties to God in the pattern of emperor-vassal relationships when seeking the physical protection of those to whom they minister. 
Their proxy functions involve fathers suffering for the sake of their sons, as did King Hezekiah, on account of covenant curses or penalties that may have accrued from their sons' transgressions. In an end-time context, for example, sons from among Israel's natural lineages of the house of Israel, who are newly converting to Israel's God, require fathers or proxy saviors to vouch for them before God until such time as they themselves ascend spiritually to become just men made perfect and members of the church of the firstborn. If it is in the hearts of end-time fathers to do so, and if it is in the hearts of those to whom they minister to heed their counsel, then God's promise is that he will preserve their lives at the very time the rest of the world is being smitten with a curse and utterly wasted. Persons who qualify as end-time fathers on the seraph level include certain spiritual kings and queens of the Gentiles, savers on Mount Zion, angels who gather God's elect, and the 144,000 servants of God who are sealed with the Father's name written on their foreheads, all of whom are candidates for one of the same category of high priests according to the holy order of God. To those who comprise their sons, these kings and priests at first minister spiritually before delivering them physically. Their knowledge of God's promises, of the terms of the Davidic covenant, assures them that by bearing the iniquities of their sons, they, like God's end-time servant, will vindicate many, from Isaiah 53:11. As guarantors of their sons' loyalties to God during their sons' tender phase, these fathers, their proxy saviors, obligate God to deliver them according to his promises. Central to divine protection in the end time as anciently is that it takes place solely within the framework of the covenants God makes with his people and with individuals. Simply stated, outside of God's covenants, there exists no provision for deliverance from a mortal threat. To remove God's covenants from the equation, therefore, is to remove plain and precious parts from God's word. To destroy the foundation of God's relationship to humanity and to negate his promises to the fathers concerning the deliverance of their sons. While the Davidic covenant provides a pattern for all proxy salvation on every spiritual level, its prototype in ancient Near Eastern emperor vassal covenants is in actuality preceded by God's covenants with the fathers from Adam to Enoch to Melchizedek to Abraham. Nevertheless, all of God's covenants with such proxy saviors, though they may operate on different levels in different ages, follow the same model. In conjunction with turning the hearts of the children to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children, appears a scriptural directive to, quote, Turn the hearts of the Jews unto the prophets, and the prophets unto the Jews. Doctrine and Covenants 98, 16, and 17. The parallel positioning of these verses, which equates the prophets with the fathers, and the Jews with the children, implies two things. One, that the Jews are descendants or children of the prophets. And two, that at some point the Jews will have fathers, proxy saviors, who are prophets to minister to them. Both meanings are valid, though our discussion has centered on the role of end-time fathers toward end-time sons. In other words, the hearts of the Jews will indeed turn to the covenants and promises God made with their ancestral fathers, but they will also turn to those spiritual fathers in the priesthood, according to the holy order of God, who minister to them those same covenants and promises. Thank you for listening to podcast number 49 and to the entire series. Thank you very much. I'm glad we became acquainted. And I can't say see you next time, but I'll say catch you another time. <laughs>